You're going to like this next part, though. Welcome to episode 50. Holy shit. I know. 50 episodes. It's only, what, two more weeks until it's an entire year of uninterrupted downloads. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's kind of a... Feels uh, feels good, man. And uh, what a fucking year it's been. (laughs) It's it's been a hell of a year to start this off on. That's for fucking sure. Uh, So we actually do have a little bit of a big... uh, announcement yeah announcement at the end of the episode so i mean if you're a if you're a dude check out this song you know fan it would be uh, pertinent for you to listen to this announcement at the end of the episode because it is fairly important but beyond that it's not really that time so really should really start on what's important right oh yeah what's important is going to be pretty damn great tonight oh man i'm excited for this one i've been wanting to do him for a while and who we're talking about is Lemmy Kilmeister. Oh, yeah. Is that really his last name? Yeah. I've always just heard him referred to as Lemmy, so the fact that his <laughs> last name is Kilmeister. Did he change it? To, uh, I'm not. Okay, we'll just go ahead and start. You'll get to that, I assume. <laughs> who could win in a fight, Lemmy or God? <laughs> Why would Lemmy fight himself? <laughs> True question. <laughs> Lemmy is God. You ruined it. <laughs> So, yeah, that's not the quote I wanted to start this episode on, but this is the quote I do. (laughs) I don't do regrets. Regrets are pointless. It's too late for regrets. You've already done it, haven't you? You've lived your life. No point wishing you could change it. (laughs) Well, hey, that's uh, pretty profound for as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Oh, just wait, dude. This episode is chock full of Lemmy gems, as I started calling them. (laughs) Lemmy little wisdoms. uh. (laughs) I'm excited for that. Well, by all means, uh, lay it out for us, brother. And so Lemmy was born Ian Frazier Kilmeister. Oh, so Lemmy is a made-up name, but Kilmeister isn't? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I wasn't expecting that. K-I-L-M-I-S-T-E-R. That's awesome. And he was born on Christmas Eve, 1945. Oh, wow, that's cool. (laughs) So God was born on Christmas Eve. Oh, shit, I see. (laughs) And he was born in Stoke-on-Trent. I don't know what kind of fucking town name that is. <laughs> Stoke-on-Trent? Yeah. Is it, is it separated, like, with spaces? With dashes. <laughs> <laughs> in Staffordshire, England. I think it's Staffordshire, but I'm not 100% sure I thought that. in England the, uh, the S-I-R-E was pronounced sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> or are you not shire? <laughs> uh, we're sorry, England. not really (laughs) nope not really (laughs) and so lemmy's father was an ex-royal air force chaplain but he wouldn't stay around long supposedly he split when he was about three months old and you know so kind of forced his mother to raise him and you know not the best childhood at at the time because you know his mother was you know 
it's kind of the age where women have a harder time making money. Yeah. But things would eventually get better. She'd end up remarrying a former football player. I'm guessing soccer, or he was either a rugby player. Because it is England, so. It's yeah. probably soccer. I, I, I found both, so <laughs> who the fuck knows? But his name was George Willis, and this happened was when Lemmy was 10. And so Lemmy would talk about his earliest childhood memory, and he would say, I don't know what my first word was, but I know it was loud. I remember standing up on my cot, shouting and shaking the bars of my crib. I don't remember what I was shouting or who I was shouting at, but that was my earliest memory. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. (laughs) So because of this marriage, they'd end up moving to a farm in in the West Village of Benlec. Benlec? I don't know. But (laughs) some small town. And let me say about this. Funny enough, but being the only English kid among 700 Welsh ones didn't make for the happiest time. But it was interesting from an anthropological point of view. (laughs) Fuck, that's a hard word to say. (laughs) Now I don't even want to try because normally I can pronounce it, but now that that it's become a... (laughs) Fuck! (laughs) Off to a good start on this podcast. And so... I read many different stories about where the nickname Lemmy came from. Yeah. Like, the story was all basically the same, but different eras of his life. But for the purpose of this story, it came around when he was in Sir Thomas Jones School, which was like kind of like a high school. Yeah. In Almwick. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, a good attempt. Yeah. At this point in the podcast, he doesn't even like try very hard when he finds a word he can't pronounce. He just like butchers it and then walks away. Like, I don't know. That's good enough. They invented the fucking language and I can't even speak it. <laughs> Fuck you, Britain. Omelette. But so apparently Lemmy, you know, got into the habit of playing slot machines around this time. Oh, God. And so he was always known to say the phrase, let me a quid till Friday. Which, you know, lend me. Uh, <laughs> lend me. So, you know, see, when I first got into Motorhead, I always heard it was he was always bumming uh, joints. So, <laughs> who knows? So, it's a, yeah, but Lemmy comes from, like, lend me something. I see. Yeah. I never knew that. That's fucking awesome, I guess. It's kind of a weird origin for a nickname, if I'm being honest. But you know what? It's iconic, so whatever. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I know him as Lemmy, and I never knew that, so um, today I learned something. He is a proud Ian, though. That is for (laughs) sure. (laughs) And you know what? Unlike you, when you got happy that we did an episode about a Pat, I'm still happy about this one. (laughs) Yeah, but you cheated. You did all the research before you got happy. (laughs) Well, I knew more about him. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't happen to have somebody there trying to make you fail. Ian. Hey, I tried to find a good Pat, but you know what? Pats are just not good people, okay? Oh, sweet God. Just fucking talk about (laughs) Lemmy some more, Ian. God damn it. And so it was at school where he would kind of start to show interest in rock and roll, girls, and horses, like, while he was in high school, he worked with in like stables and stuff, you know, taking care of horses. Oh, that's Which, something I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming when Maybe I was that's doing where the, the cowboy hats come from. <laughs> or it's just fucking cool. Yeah, but he always wears those leather cowboy hats, right? Yep. Yeah, that's that's totally cool, bro. I mean, I think honestly, there's two people in the world who I think is allowed to actually wear leather cowboy hats, and it's him and Rob Zombie. 
Yeah. I don't think but anybody Rob else. Zombie probably stole from Lemmy anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't think anyone anyone else besides those two people should be allowed to wear leather cowboy hats. Just throwing that out there. You heard it. Nobody else can pull it off. <laughs> yeah, you heard All it. you country musicians <laughs> who do it nowadays, you can't pull it off. Well, I mean, you can wear regular cowboy hats. They might be made of, I think they're made of hide. I don't know. My cowboy <laughs> hat knowledge is not that high, if I'm being completely honest. Next episode, dude, check out this cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I'm not making that comment. Moving forward. And so at school, Lemmy noticed one of the fellow students had brought a guitar to school with him and had been surrounded by chicks. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. His mother had a guitar, and so he took it to school and was also surrounded by chicks. Even though he couldn't play it. Hell yeah. Just hold it, man. (laughs) Just hold it. (laughs) Strum a note every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) Ding. Sorry, my wrist kind of hurts from too much practice. I can't play right now. You better get to my gig. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I got to go. I just wrote this love song. It's not a big deal. It might be about you, too. (laughs) Uh, I haven't got a name for the love song yet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hey, it doesn't matter. Just hold the guitar. You look sexy. What was that show? Home movies. Yeah, I know. I was I was half thinking about that reference too. If you if nobody's ever watched that, definitely check out Home Movies. They have a they have an episode where he gets a guitar just to look cool and drags it around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and then he has to like tape it together and shit. Yeah. By the end, it's yeah, awesome because you'll just yeah, you guys get it. Most of you probably understand. I'm moving forward. <laughs> so anyway, what really turned the tides for him for music though was at the age of 16, he saw the Beatles perform in Liverpool's Cavern Club. And from then on, he was inspired to make his own career on the stage, you know? Oh, hell yeah. And so then he learned to play along on guitar to their first album, Please Please Me. And he would say about the band, Brian Epstein cleaned them up for mass consumption, but they were anything but sissies. They were from Liverpool, a hard seafaring town. All these dock workers and sailors around all the time who would beat the piss out of you if you so much winked at them. The Rolling Stones were mummies, boys. They were all college students from the outskirts of London. The Stones made great records, but they were always shit on stage, whereas the Beatles were the gear. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that means, but apparently they're the gear. The gear. I assume that's really good, but then also I know in this area that gear becomes used as like a term for like, what you shoot up heroin with, I think, too. <laughs> I just love the fact that he called the Rolling Stones sissies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, there you go. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Lemmy says it. The Rolling Stones are sissies. <laughs> uh, typically, I would backpedal, but I kind of really hate the Rolling Stones. So, uh, yeah, whatever. We go have Lemmy. bashed them quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah, I, I mean, them and Elvis really get gut-punched up on this uh, podcast quite often. Quite a bit. And so, Lemmy, don't know if he finished school. I couldn't really find that, but I doubt it. He'd end up in Stockport, and he'd join a couple local bands called the Rainmakers and the Motown Sect. And, you know, they'd play around northern clubs for a few years. But in 1965, he'd end up joining the Rockin' Vickers, and they would end up signing a deal with CBS, and they'd release three singles and tour Europe, reportedly being the first British band to visit the Socialist Federation Republic of Yugoslavia. Oh, shit. 
And while he was on tour with the Rocking Vickers, apparently Lemmy saw a UFO. (laughs) Of course he did. And this was apparently before he even started drinking or, you know, indulging in hard drugs, right? Right. So this is sober Lemmy seeing UFOs. Yeah. That's that's not boding well for the future. (laughs) He'd say, in 1966, we're coming back over the Yorkshire Moors, which incidentally was before i even drank beer so it couldn't have been some acid flashback <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, hey. <laughs> this thing came over the horizon and stopped dead in the middle of the sky then it went from a standstill to top speed immediately we don't even have aircraft that do that now never mind then so that was pretty eye-opening for me. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> at that point on, let me knew there was aliens. Aliens just, exist. And he just had to live his life. <laughs> He's like, that's when I knew I had to start motoring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not for a little while yet. <laughs> and so in 1967, he'd end up leaving the Rock and Vickers and moved to London, where he'd end up sharing a flat with Noel Redding. And if you don't know who he is, He's the bassist of the Jimi Hendrix experience. Oh, that's cool. And so because of them living together and getting along, he was given a job as a roadie for the band. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. And he did this for about eight months. So, you know, like he really fucking toured with him. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) That's one connection I never would have thought would ever be there. Yeah, he he was a roadie for Jimi Hendrix. Well, hey, maybe you just, like, you get the touch, you know what I mean? You get close enough to <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, you just immediately start rocking hard. And so he's got a few quotes about this time period. Let's get to the first one. Oh, huh? please, yes. I was sleeping on Neville Chester's floor. He was sharing a flat with Noel Redding. So whenever they needed an extra pair of hands, I was right there. I didn't get the job for any talent or anything, but I did see Jimmy play a lot. Hell yeah. Twice a night for about three months. I'd see him play backstage, too. He had this old Epiphone guitar. It was a 12-string, strong as a 6-string, and he used to stand up on a chair backstage and play it. Why he stood up on the chair? I don't know. (laughs) 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 Like I I told you before we started, I think some of the best quotes we're ever going to have are going to come out of this episode. Oh, my God. I want Lemmy to narrate something for me. I think he should be like a movie narrator. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, he's got a couple quotes on what Jimmy taught him, right? Yeah. First thing he said is, Jimmy taught me how to find drugs in the most unlikely places. (laughs) 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 because that was part of my job for him. That's how I learned to function on five hits of acid. (laughs) That's why he's standing on the chair, Lemmy. That's why. (laughs) But I also learned about theatrics and performing. Jimmy was so effortlessly cool, and he would move like an elegant spider. (laughs) (laughs) He was always interested in the crowd. He made very bad jokes because he was so out of his mind. People couldn't figure out what he was talking about by the time he was finished. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. But he was certainly the best guitar player you'll ever see. Probably ever. <laughs> and one time in an interview when he was asked if he learned anything from Hendrix, he'd say, yeah, I learned to give up the guitar and play bass instead. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Yep, Lemmy uh, is the quote man already. I can tell. <laughs> and so, you know, Lemmy was known for his alcohol abuse, right? Like, there's tons of documentaries with him just down in a fifth of whiskey and stuff like that. Yeah. But he did lots of drugs, too. And for a while, you know, he'd deal drugs. And, <laughs> you know, he'd end up becoming friends with a guy he would deal with all the time. Name, this was his stage name, named Dick Mick. Uh-oh. And not, not Dick Mick. He was a keyboardist for this band called Hawkwind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was kind of taking a break from touring with them, and they, you know, would just stay up all night taking amphetamines. <laughs> yeah, as you do. And they became interested in how long you could make the human body jump about without stopping. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so they did this for a few months till Mick ran out of money and decided to go back to Hawkwind. He took Lemmy with him. <laughs> hey, I brought this guy. <laughs> and so Lemmy auditioned for Hawkwind, who is like this crazy space, like space rock band, right? Yeah. On August in August 1971, he was kind of hoping to land a slot as their second guitarist. But <laughs> during an open air concert at Poe Square in Notting Hill, Notting Hill Gate. Their bassist didn't show up, and so Dick Mick was like, hey, let's get Lemmy up on bass. Lemmy would say, I'd never played bass in my life. <laughs> I've I've 100% been in that position before. That is the worst. Yeah, this is a band who had people like pay to come see them. Well, yeah. Too. Oh, yeah, I guess it's not really that position. Because if it's like a big concert, that's insane. So he joined them on stage, right? And uh, Nick Turner, the saxophone player and vocalist, would say to him, make some noises in E. This song is called You Shouldn't Do That. <laughs> <laughs> and so for, now he's part of Hawkwind. <laughs> Lemmy would say, their bass player was pretty much saying, please steal my gig. So I stole his gig. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He'd also say, that was a great time the summer of 71. I can't remember it, but I'll never forget it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, it was here where he would develop his distinctive style of bass because, you know, he was originally a rhythm guitarist, right? Yeah. And so he used a lot of, like, rhythm guitar, like, stuff on the bass, like, stuff you, you don't normally use, like double stops and chords rather than just single notes, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I think when it comes to Motorhead, this is part of how they got such a big sound. Yeah. Is because he literally played a bass like a punk rock guitarist. Yeah. Well, which which shows a lot because, honestly, when you play uh, basses with, like, power chords and shit, that really gives the body. and Yeah, yeah. it really makes it big. Yeah. And, honestly, I would imagine it took him a while to dial the sound in, too, because if you just do it on a bass, like, I've done it on bass before through an amp, but not a particularly good one. <laughs> and definitely not dialed in, and it sounded like shit. Yeah, I, I believe that you definitely, uh, It's it would be a learned skill. I mean, I've never obviously played a whole lot of bass, even though it was, like, technically my first instrument. Uh, you know, but power chords on bass is uh, not typically used because of the amount of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sure helps, though, when you're super distorted, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, and if everything's loud and you're distorted as hell and, uh, you know, you crank the action up a little bit, I'm sure you'd be fine. Yeah, and, I mean, he developed it in Hawkwind, so, you know, I'm sure he learned how to develop it with a cleaner tone because, I mean, they were heavy, but they weren't, like, super, like, motorhead heavy, and I'm pretty sure the bass was a lot cleaner in yeah. that band. 
And I, I think with the psychedelic style, the bass is also a little more uh, slow and rhythmic with the way the fingerings work. So I think it would be a good place for you to learn a style like that. And so, you know, this is a fucking space rock band, right? Yeah. Which means more drugs. Oh, of course. <laughs> and so one time, after spending three days taking Dexedrin with Dick Mick. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence right there. <laughs> Lemmy and his bandmates took Mandrax, a depressant, to try and lessen the intensity of the high. But Lemmy got bored, so he dropped acid and mescaline and took more Mandrax. <laughs> let that one hang out there for oh, you oh that's just that's too many drugs bro <laughs> so dick mick drove to the venue where they uh partook in some cocaine and ate black beauties sweet god that is like <laughs> seven or eight different narcotics they're taking at the same time <laughs> let me would say Fucking hell, Mick. I can't move. Can you? <laughs> Lemmy would explain in one of his books that the band's roadies had to help them on stage for the show, which was taped for an album called Greasy Truckers Party, a live album. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still available? Yeah, oh, yeah. You can find it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Lemmy would say this was one of the best gigs we ever taped. The jamming between me and Brock was great. We got Silver Machine, our only hit, and number two at that, from that gig. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, they can't even walk, but they get all up there. They're like, oh, we can play music. Fuck yeah. We can rock out, but we can't walk. (laughs) Who needs to walk when you can rock? And so... In May 1975, they're touring North America, trying to cross the border into Canada, right? Right. Lemmy gets busted by Canadian authorities for possession of what they believe to be cocaine. Oh, what they believe to be. And so he'd spend a night in jail and he'd say, the police charged me for cocaine. I really had amphetamines, which was actually legal in Canada at the time, by the way. It was a wrongful charge, so they had to let me go. And so he'd get back to the band Join up with them and play the gig that night, right? <laughs> it's all right, guys. It's not coke. It's amphetamines. The yeah. Canadians are like, oh, eh? Oh, it's legal, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out of here, eh? Rock on. <laughs> and so after this next show, the band kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bros. It's just amphetamines. <laughs> you know what Lemmy would say about this? What? If I was busted for acid, everything would have been fine. But they were all about that psychedelic experience. The most cosmic band in the world fired me for getting busted with the wrong kind of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fucking amazing. That, that cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. So in his mind, and it could be true, it might not be, but he said this throughout his career that he got kicked out of Hawkwind because he had speed and not like acid. <laughs> that's the best and so of course no longer in hawkwind gotta start a new band right gotta keep going and so he starts bastard (laughs) (laughs) that's a good start with guitarist larry wallace and drummer lucas fox that's a great drummer name yeah lucas fox f or v f Uh, fox but his manager would inform him that the band named Bastard would never get a slot on top of the Pops, which is a BBC back then, right? Yeah. So he decided to name his band after the title of the last song he'd written for Hawkwind. 
Yeah. Motorhead. Oh, shit. About being a speed freak. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote that for the band that kicked him out for just having speed. Oh, they recorded it, too. Oh, my God. But it, Motorhead's version is better. Yeah. But this brings me to my first dude check out this song, and that's Hawkwind, Silver Machine, because that's a fucking trippy <laughs> song, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Silver Machine was a super good listen. So Motorhead would end up getting signed to United Artists, and they record. Unfortunately, that album was not released for five years. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, led to some difficulties with the band. I mean, this album would eventually get released called On Parole in 1980. But, like, five years later, like, that's a long fucking time to tour without a fucking album, right? Yeah, seriously. And so, Wallace and Fox quit. And in 1978, they were replaced by Fast Eddie Clark on guitar and Phil Filthy Animal Taylor on drums. <laughs> oh, well, you got nicknames like that. Hey, this is the classic lineup right here. So oh, this is the Motorhead lineup? This is the Motorhead lineup oh, where all their shit. classic albums came no, from. No wonder they got sick nicknames. Let me have a little story about how Filthy Animal came to join the band. Yeah. He'd say, I was with the Hells Angels at the time, and he used to come and score dope at our house. He'd light up and pass out, and then we'd wake him up in the morning and send him home. <laughs> he was always telling us he was a drummer, but we never took him seriously. And, you know, around this time, the drummer they had hired just didn't vibe with the band in the studio. And uh, he'd say about this, Phil said, sure, I'll fucking come down and do it for you. And we overdubbed him on our first album except for one track. He proved to be the maniac we needed. Hell yeah. And honestly, dude, the fucking dude was crazy drummer. Like, if you watch their live stuff. Yeah. That dude, like, was super animated. Yeah, well, I mean, you can just hear through the way that the drums are played in most of their songs that is definitely animated. And so now they got the classic lineup together, and now it's time to record their first album that they technically already recorded but never got released. Hell yeah. And it's a self-titled LP, right? Yeah. And this would actually do pretty well. It'd make the British Top 50, right? Yeah. But, you know, the band was very limited in the studio. And so they made the decision to like re-record a lot of what was on their first, technically first album. They'd leave a few songs out, but then they'd add a few like White Line Fever, Keep Us on the Road. And then there was actually three tracks that were actually written by Lemmy when he was still a member of Hawkwind. Motorhead, which I've already mentioned, Lost Johnny, and The Watcher. And so this brings me to my next dude check out this song. And we've got Motorhead, The Watcher, and Keep Us on the Road. Hell yeah. And... These are good songs. You can definitely tell the quality isn't quite there. You know, you can definitely tell it was a rush job. But this is the classic self-titled Motorhead album, too. So, yeah. You know, this is this is the, uh, the penultimate with the exception of the song that shall not be named until later. <laughs> but, you know, this record did pretty well. And so, you know, they'd end up getting signed to Bronze Records, a bigger label. And so, you know, kind of allowed them some more time in the studio. And the first thing they would release in 1978 was, you know, Louie Louie. Fuck it. Why not? Hell yeah. Resulted with a hit in the charts, right? Yeah. You know, fuck it. And then Bronze is like, hey, they got a hit. Let's get them in the studio for a full album. So they get in the studio and record their second album, Overkill. Oh, yeah. This has got an amazing, like, album cover <laughs> art. 
No, you're thinking of Bomber. Did you, Overkill's the one with the blow, blown up skull? Yeah, I know the, the one oh, that's okay. all the one that's all rainbow colored. Yeah, yep. That's it's an amazing album cover. I just I happened to mention the other one when we were hanging out. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I I thought you were talking about that one, but oh, anyway, I, I was gonna mention the same on the other one too. Ian. You're <laughs> ruining my whole flash here. <laughs> so this album would be released on March twenty second, nineteen seventy nine. You know, did pretty well. You know, sold well in England and stuff like that, which is a good thing. Here's the thing about Motorhead. They never really sold that well in America, which I don't understand why, because there's a lot of fucking death metal bands that do, and these guys were way more, way more better. God, you would think that they would have sold, like, really well with how much I've heard about them. Like, I can't even tell you how many times people are like, Motorhead, 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 Motorhead. Yeah, but, you know, most of the people who also say that talks about the song that shall not be named. Yeah, I guess that's a good point, huh? And so, yeah, this is the first time they had an opportunity to do a proper studio recording. They spent a six-week period from December 1978 to January 1979 in two studios. You know, those studios being Roundhouse and Sound Development, both in London. Lemmy would say about this, we did about a six-week stint. I suppose you consider that we'd done the whole of the previous record in three days. That's a massive period of time. But what you also have to bear in mind is that this wasn't a block of time in which we just concentrated on the album. We were also doing gigs. That's the way things happened back then. It was far less regimented. However, we were all aware that studios cost a fuckload of money, so we weren't about to waste our time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a good idea. Studio time is not fucking cheap. And honestly, like, This is my favorite Motorhead album, first of all. And I just love the thing all the way through. But, you know... You still had to pick out some decals for this. And so, you know, I I picked out what would become a lot of their, you know, main stage songs, you know? And those would be Overkill, Stay Clean, and No Class. All super sweet jams. I think Overkill was my favorite. Overkill's fucking rad. Yeah. And actually, funny little story about that song... Because it's like the only song in the album that's got the double kick, right? Yeah. Well, how they came up with that was Phil was in the jam space at the time, and he just bought a new kick drum, but he's trying to figure out which one he liked better. So he set them both up and was playing them both, trying to figure out figure it out, right? And Lemmy was outside the studio with the guitar player, with Eddie, right? Yeah. And they're like, dude, that sounds pretty fucking cool. And so after he played around with it for a little while, they walked in and were like, you should do that. That's awesome. Yeah, I read a whole article about about just that, and it's just like, wow, that's really cool. Is that like the first double kick? I mean, that's pretty early, isn't it? I mean, it's definitely early. I don't know 100% if I could say that it was the first, but it was definitely like up there among the first. Yeah, because, I mean, it at least has an organic origin. He didn't see anyone else doing it. He learned it from accidentally doing it. Yeah, he was literally just trying to compare the two kicks. Yeah, that's fucking really cool. They weren't done releasing albums in 79. They'd go back into the studio for their third album, Bomber. Boom. Which was released on October 27th, 1979. Again, on Bronze Record, right? Yeah. You know, selling well, doing good for them. And so, during the recording of this album, their producer, Jimmy Miller, who was also the producer of their second album, Overkill. Yeah. Decided this would be a great time to start doing heroin again. Oh, yay, heroin. At one point, he disappeared from the studio entirely and was found asleep at the wheel of his car. (laughs) 
And so Motorhead wrote their first anti-heroin song, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Hell yeah. And actually, for all of Lemmy's life, you know, he did all sorts of drugs, right? Yeah. Tons of them. Fucking hated heroin. He actually had a girlfriend who overdosed and died from heroin when he was 19, so uh, that probably has a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty funny that even, like, regular junkies hate heroin junkies. It kind of cracks me up. Well, I think the thing is, is he's like, I'm still making albums. I'm functioning, you know. Doing stuff. I'm doing stuff. Not sleeping in public our, places because I'm fucking high out of my mind. Yeah, Our fucking producer can't even sit there and record us, yeah. you know. No, it makes sense, but uh, it's just, it's such a funny point, like, just thing. That is a good outside. point, but, I mean, because he does have, like, incidents of him, like, doing way too many drugs. Like, yep. I read this one, and this is totally off my memory because I don't have it in my notes, but he did, like, way too many drugs and, like, was uh, hallucinating for, like, two weeks. At one point, he was reading a book that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well that's how you know you're high <laughs> also i learned from this apparently lemmy really loved to read <laughs> so his brain's like shit i'll just make you a book don't worry about it bro. yeah we, we got you covered for a little while <laughs> but yeah this album would also have like other fantastic songs like lawman poison talking head and all the aces you know you know, get getting the aces reference in there early. Well, yeah, and you gotta make sure you're you're really ramping it up. And so we got my next dude check out the song, which really could be all the songs, but these are the best ones from what I mentioned, which is Overkill, Stay Clean, No Class, Dead Men Tell No Tells, Lawman and Poison. Hell yeah, and those are all super good jams. We haven't really had anything that rocks this hard, I don't think, almost at all through our whole podcast. So no, this, this is the definitely the loudest, this for sure. This will be the most <laughs> rocking of all. The funny thing about the song Poison, it's about his mom. Oh, <laughs> boom, Lemmy's mom. Take that, Lemmy's mom. <laughs> and so, you know, touring, selling records all over the UK, doing well getting creative time to get back in the studio right Hell yeah time for their most commercially successful album ever oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah the album based off the song that shall not be named was released <laughs> in march 1981 well we, we're gonna have to name it now i just wasn't trying to throw it out this early <laughs> i know i'm I just sure thought... it goes on the playlist <laughs> and so yeah the album ace of spades would ace be... of spades the ace of spades and you know that was the single from the album which fucking did awesome you know reaching number 15 in the singles charts if you've ever played a Tony Hawk game, you know this song. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, this album would have the band's like most popular songs on it, like Love Me Like a Reptile, The Chase is Better Than the Catch, We're the Road Crew, and of course, The Ace of Spades, right? The Ace of Spades. <laughs> I like how you sing it all high and Lemmy's got like a deep raspy voice. <laughs> I don't know. Over the years, I think I've just mimicked mimic it so many times to where it keeps stepping up and octave every once in a while. Eventually, it's going to be Mickey Mouse. Oh, 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 the use of speeds. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to live forever. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> and so let me you know he had a few things to say about the ace of spades of course he did <laughs> he'd say 
I use gambling metaphors, mostly cards and dice. When it comes to that sort of thing, I'm more into slot machines, actually. But you can't really sing about spinning fruit and wheels <laughs> coming down. <laughs> Could you imagine how different that song would be? The spinning bananas. The spinning bananas. <laughs> What's that thing called? I pull the lever. <laughs> it's called the what bandit? The one arm bandit. <laughs> <laughs> he'd say mo- most of the most of the songs just poker really you know i know you've got to see me read them and weep dead man's hand again Ace- aces and eights that was wild bill hickok's hand when he got shot to be honest although ace of spades is a good song i'm sick to death of it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> two decades on when people think of motorhead they think ace of spades we did we didn't become fossilized after that record you know We've had quite a few good releases since then, but fans want to hear it, so we still play it every night. For myself, I've had enough of that song. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, dude. That would be one of my biggest fears. Like, of, of course, like as a musician, I've always wanted to be famous, but that was always like the scariest thought. Yeah, was... you don't want to play the same song for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. I mean, even just in our, like, small friend group, when when we were, like, performing, I had one song that everyone liked a lot more, and I started to hate that song, like, really <laughs> quick, just because it's the one song people were like, oh, hey, I, I love that song. Yeah, I remember that song. At some point, you're just like, then cover it, cover it, please cover it. Yeah, if you like it, somebody else play it. <laughs> <laughs> in an interview in 2011, he'd say, I'm glad we got famous for that rather than for some turkey. But I sang the eight of spades for two years and nobody noticed. <laughs> the eight of spades. The eight of spades. Oh, that's that's some that's some real good trolling action right there. And so this brings me to my next dude. Check out this song. Which is love me like a reptile. The chase is better than the catch, and we're the road crew. Hell and yeah. no, the Ace of Spades is not on it. I'm like Lemmy. I'm tired of hearing about that fucking song. I get it. Oh, it's a get- good song. But you know what? When everybody only mentions that fucking song, I go look for the better ones. <laughs> so it's actually not going to make the decons no, list. Then, it's huh? not going to oh, make. You know what? That's that's a spicy choice. Ian. <laughs> I, su- I support you in your bold decisions. <laughs> you know what? If you don't know the Ace of Spades, then go check it out. But who the fuck hasn't heard the Ace of Spades or cover version of it? At yeah, least, if right? you don't know the Ace of Spades, go ace yourself, bro. <laughs> almost made me spit up here <laughs> <laughs> and so you know this album gets released they're making money they're doing well band drama whoop whoop yeah that's you what, know that's the best thing is band drama getting to the getting to the studio for their next album iron fist and some band drama and actually there's some fucking killer songs on this album but i mean you know it's another great album art too yeah it's the one with the like the, the iron fist with uh, all different skull symbols on each knuckle yep so this was it for the classic lineup, you know, but let me, we'll keep it going. And I really just wanted to get through, you know, their most known albums, you know, the, the lineup, yeah, you know, the and lineup. because there's a lot of fucking albums that Motorhead released. Yeah. They're pretty consistent in their later career. Yeah. After Iron Fist, they'd release another perfect day. Then Orgasmatron, rock and roll, 1916, March or Die, Bastard, Sacrifice, Overnight Sensation, Snakebite Love, We Are Motorhead, Hammered, Inferno, 
Kiss of Death, Motorizer, The World is Yours, Jeez. Aftershock, and Bad Magic. <laughs> That's a lot of albums. Yeah. Did I hear you say in there that one of them's named Bastard? Like they wanted to name their first, uh, their band yep. originally? That's fucking cool. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was cool as shit too. And actually, there's one more album I should mention. It's a live album. It was probably one of the coolest live albums ever. It's called No Sleep Till Hammersmith. If you like Motorhead, listen to No Sleep Till Hammersmith because this couple with Ace of Spades are the two reasons they became famous. Yeah. When, yeah, it's just a fucking le- like legit live recording, you know, when they were at their finest. Fuck yeah. And so, you know, we kind of go through the rest of Lemmy's life briefly, but, you know, he just partied through it all. You know, he just had fun. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. So... I decided to intersperse this with some random Lemmy quotes. Oh, good. And Lay we got on one. <laughs> if you think you are too old to rock and roll, then you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a mind over matter reverse quote, huh? Yep. I like that. I like that. Dude, he was also, uh, I could have put like 50 quotes from him in here that are all just either like really insightful or awesome. <laughs> but, you know, he never married. He did have a son when he was like 17 and. Eventually, they like when the kid was a uh, you know like teenager age, they actually would begin a relationship, and he did eventually play for him. But he never married. Supposedly, he slept with over two thousand women. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's great accomplishment. Like if yeah, a guy I mean, that ugly can get, can get laid that many times, you know. Well, I mean, the ace of spades alone must just, just <laughs> you know tow you in all the tail. I'm, I'm sure he never complained about it in those situations. That's all I'm going to say. It's when the hot women are like, "Can we put on my favorite song?" and it's the ace of spades. I bet you just like, "Yep, I got an ace of spades for you, babe." <laughs> well, <laughs> this is my life now. <laughs> but he uh, in 1991, he'd actually end up writing a bunch of songs. For Ozzy Osbourne's album, No More Tears. And you know what's the big song he wrote on that album? What? Mama, I'm Coming Home. Wait, really? Yeah, he wrote the lyrics to that song. Wait a minute. Mama. Yep. Mama, I'm coming home. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. That's actually hilarious. I didn't know that was a Lemmy song. <laughs> he said that song made him more money than everything he ever did with Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> that one song, just the just the writing credits for it. Oh, I can only imagine because it, I mean it's still played regularly even today on the radio. Oh so, yeah, like I can I can only imagine he's probably made a a pretty penny off of all of that. All right, another random let me quote for you. If you're gonna be a fucking rock star, go be one. People don't want to see the guy next door on stage; they want to see a being from another planet. <laughs> well there you go <laughs> hey there's some advice on how to be a fucking rock star yep there you go aka put on a show assholes yep. <laughs> and so in december 2000 Lemmy had to cancel a motorhead tour he was hospitalized in italy with the flu exhaustion and a lung infection oh but i mean he started smoking at the age of 11 so <laughs> yeah that's uh that's pretty early it's gonna catch up to you at some point definitely and, uh, yeah, 2000s, it started catching up to him, you know. He'd end up being hospitalized for extreme dehydration and exhaustion in July 2005 in Germany while he was touring. And as he grew older, you know, he'd use less alcohol and drugs, you know, because he had diabetes and hypertension. Yeah, as you less, do. Less. Yeah, he not, didn't quit. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't quit. He just used less. Of course. Time for another quote. <laughs> <laughs> 
People have forgotten that sex is fun. It's the most fun you can have without laughing. People have forgotten that. It's all deadly serious. AIDS. You can get gonorrhea from a blowjob. So what? That's the risk you have to take. If you're going to have sex, fucking have sex and be happy about it. Don't be looking over your shoulder all the time. It ruins everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. When I saw that, I knew I had to figure out how to get it in. That's that's bad advice, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I mean... He lived the way he did and had no regrets, like yep. I said at the beginning of the episode. That's so, all you can do. In June 2013, he had an implantable cardioverter defibrillator fitted. You know, to he had an irregular heartbeat, so it'd keep it kind of regular, right? Yeah. July 2013, his tour his tour was canceled to a severe hematoma. You know, and around this time, he rever- uh, referred to his continuing drug use as dogged insolence in the face of mounting opposition to the contrary. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. Hey, you know what? He's just like, this is the way I live my life. I know how it's going to end. Yeah, he's just putting his foot down. This is who I am. I mean, it's worked for him, so whatever, you know? Yep, there you go. He's living the life the way he wants to. After this, though, he'd have to start, you know, using a walking stick, cut back from two packs a day to a pack a week, you know, Getting healthier, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Turning his life around in, in his sixties. Yeah, he'd be hospitalized with another lung infection in September 2015, having breathing problems while he was performing on stage. AKA, I smoked since I was eleven. Yeah, and on December 28th, 2015, four days after his 70th birthday, Lemming would die at his Los Angeles apartment from prostate cancer. Carter, cardiac arrhythmia and congestive heart failure. Oh shit! So that's just like a compounding like end. There. Yeah, and this was three weeks after his tour. Oh, after the end of his tour. Yeah. Holy shit! Like, so he's just like, I'm done now. I did my tour. I did. I did. I'm seventy. I did it, it's time know? to go. I put my time in. Wow, that's yeah. that's pretty impressive. Like, I don't know, man. Like he just toured up until the end of his life and made music, which. Yeah. You know, is a dream for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's one of those things where you can definitely tell from his quotes that he kind of lived that way too. Like, you know, it's just he lived his dream and did it like a badass. And yeah, I'm pretty it, impressed with that. Exactly. And did you know he lived a huge chunk of his life in Los Angeles in a two-bedroom apartment? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. But that doesn't surprise me. You know why he had this two-bedroom apartment? Why? It was close to his favorite bar, The Rainbow, which is like a famous rock and roll bar. Oh, hell yeah. So he just kept the apartment just so he could stay close to the bar. Yeah. And so, you know, he'd sit in the corner and play the little slot machine they had there, the little electronic one, and watch the bands play and sip on uh, whiskey with a touch of Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fucking cool. I, I really dig that. And you know what's even cooler is after he died, the rainbow has a roped off section that nobody's allowed to sit in that says Lemmy's Spot. And it's right next to a little, like, video poker machine. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And so his memorial would take place at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Hollywood Hills on January 9th, 2016. And I actually remember this shit. Yeah. I was fucking drinking during it. (laughs) His service was streamed live over YouTube with more than 230,000 people logging on to watch. Fuck yeah, that's super cool. And 
while this was going on, a bunch gathered in the rainbow to watch too. His body was cremated following the funeral. His remains were placed in a 3D printed mantelpiece shaped like his trademark hat. (laughs) (laughs) And and it had a slogan emblazoned on it, right? Yeah. Born to lose, live to win. That's fucking awesome. That is that is super genuinely cool. <laughs> like you're supposed to be sad because he died, and it's just like he went out like a badass. Yeah, whatever, you can't, you can't even argue. You know what I mean? You, can't, you don't even feel bad. This dude just rocked until he was seventy, and then was entombed in a badass cowboy hat. Like, whatever, man. That's living. That is life right there. And so this brings me to my last dude. Check out this song. We've got I'm the Doctor, Loser, Shine, Built for Speed, Sex and Death. Oh, yeah. And before we get to our final thoughts, one final quote. Integrity is everything to me. I will not die ashamed. I will live on my deathbed knowing that I gave it my best shot and everything else is meaningless to me. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. (laughs) I I think that's fucking awesome. That's probably like the coolest death quote we've ever had. Yeah. Like, He's just like, there was a couple I was bouncing between that I didn't end up including in this one, but I thought that one, like, you know, just really cemented it. That is the posthumous quote right there. And so, you know, we do have that announcement coming up, so let's uh, keep these final thoughts brief. What do you say? Yeah, and make sure you do stick around, because it is a pretty important announcement that we're pretty excited about making, so... uh, but first, I guess, last thoughts. I'll go first. It's You've gone first last couple weeks here. Well, I mean, what can you really say about Lemmy last thoughts besides Jesus Christ? That is how you live like a rock star. We've kind of used this living like a rock star thing to compare a lot of the people that we've done like in the early uh, eras or the, you know, the musical eras that were coming up just before rock and roll. But we haven't really gotten to talk about somebody who truly embodies what rock and roll should be. We always get this kind of rock and roll douchebag thing, you know, go yeah. staying out all night drinking and being a dick to people. And well, right, and he was stuff. always like the nicest guy to people. Yeah, and that you know, with Lemmy, it is the opposite. He he's the genuinely good rock and roll guy, and that's like that is the pinnacle of rock and roll guys. Like it's so much better than the. And, you know, and I don't mean negative to it on anybody, but that's so much better than the I'm going to break your stuff punk guy or, you know, the the verbally harassing metal kid. Like, you just don't get better than the genuinely nice rock and roll dude. And that is what Lemmy iconicizes. Well, and, you know, he just was like total embodiment of everything rock and roll. But then he didn't have the douchebaggery that came with everything else, like sleeping with your wife's daughter and, <laughs> yeah. you know. We're looking at you, someone kill- very specific. <laughs> Killing your wife. Yeah. Or- <laughs> just, just any of the terrible things that are associated with the, the rock and roll lifestyle. I mean, he didn't even have, like, you know, there's not the early death overdose or anything like that. You know, there's no depression era for Lemmy. Lemmy nope. just kept on Lemmy. He, just, he enjoyed what he fucking did, man. And, you know, it's like, what's more rock and roll than than that? Like, what's more rebellious than that, really, is to just be like, nah, this is the way I live. You know, I'm going to be a good guy, but you know what? If you're going to be a dick to me, I'm going to be a dick to you. And and that's that's honestly earns my respect more than anything else. And that's why you get a salute in your badass uh, cowboy hats to, uh, to Mr. Lemmy. 
even though I'm not even a particularly huge fan of Motorhead myself, like I can just respect that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get you. And see, for me, it's the opposite. Like they were very instrumental in me, like learning how to play guitar, like rock and roll guitar, honestly. Yeah. A huge inspiration for a lot of your stuff, actually. And if anybody out there is going, well, they're metal. What do you mean by rock and roll guitar? If you really, really, especially like all of the albums I mentioned today, if you really break down their stuff, it's all rooted in like 50s and 60s rock and roll. Yeah. And they, that's well, one of the reasons that they're held so dear in a lot of the like rockabilly uh, uh, fringe scenes as well, because they definitely do cover more than just metal in quotation marks. Well, and there was this... Um this comic that came out, it was like an online comic, right? Is uh, I can't remember what it's called. It was it was this punk guy sitting on a couch and this metalhead sitting on a couch, and they'd go back and forth naming bands, and each one would go, nope, nope, nope. And in the second to last little you know square, one of them goes Motorhead, and next thing you know, they're both rocking out. <laughs> nice. And honestly, that's kind of like the perfect description of Motorhead because Lemmy always, you know, thought of themselves as more of like a punk band while everybody else, you know, claimed him to be one of the innovators of heavy metal, you know, along with like Iron Maiden. Yeah. He never actually liked having the metal insignia on him. He's like, we just play rock and roll. That's what we do. I mean, I, I feel like it's just, it's mincing words. He's more than metal, but metal also can be there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like genre titles can be too constricting sometimes. They definitely can, and we're getting to the point now where genres are getting too specific. It's just like, at some point you got to go, okay, are they good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that particular pain on a daily basis because if you try and define the musics that I typically listen to, it takes like eight tags and 20 minutes of explanation. <laughs> but I'm just eventually like, I don't know, it's something that I like. Why don't you just listen to the song and see if you like it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> either, either you're going to enjoy it or you're not. I can't really tell you why it's here. <laughs> but, yeah, Lemmy and Motorhead, they were huge influence into my getting into electric guitar you know just trying to make loud music and they were the fucking loudest at it anyway so yep. i think it's time for our a little announcement though what do you say so ladies and gentlemen and anybody out there supporting and listening to decots uh first of all thank you you're all awesome we you know we tell you we love you every week but we really seriously mean it uh, so this week, we're actually super excited and proud to announce that uh, Ian and I are going to be starting a new podcast. Yeah, the unfortunate part is is this one we're actually going to stop doing because of limited time, but I think this one's going to be better anyway. Yeah, in a lot of ways, the, the new podcast that we're doing, which is uh, tentatively called the Tome of Fucking Knowledge right now, uh, is going to essentially be similar to the format we run now with Do Check Out This Song, but we're going to extremely widen the base of subjects that we can cover yeah because me and pat aren't just into music we're into history we're into strange fucking people we're into you know weird cults and stuff like that you know yeah i honestly we want to cover just just the width and breadth of everything that like being a human can actually bring you and i feel like while we've learned a whole lot and have had an amazing time doing do check out this songs while we're about to hit our 52nd week here in a couple weeks and it's going to be, you know, an entire year of, of weekly, you know, un, unstopping uploads. 
we've come to the realization while we really enjoy doing, you know, music history and we really enjoy music itself, the subject matter is not broad enough for us to continue to do this on a long-term basis. We've already had to curate the most entertaining things out of history to bring you guys so far. And, you know, it, down the road, it might, you know, end up being that we're, we're talking about things that don't really have excitement value just for the sake of, you know, delivering you guys information in quotation marks. But you know what? We're going to find all this stuff. We're going to find ways to laugh about it because you know what? There's plenty to laugh about humanity yeah. in general. Yeah. So, I mean, in the, in reality, what we're looking for is we're going to bring you guys uh, a highly enjoyable, fun, and uh and somewhat uh, educational experience at the end of the day. The reality is it's not going to be a specifically educational podcast as we hear. It's it's adult education, let's yeah. put it that way. We, we <laughs> decots here are already education in quotation marks, and we're just going to continue on doing that. And, you know, we're pretty excited about it. I We are a little sad for, you yeah. know, but we have behind the scenes been talking about this since season five, and yeah, if you're a, if you're a, like a serious listener, you remember a point where we announced that we were going to make some changes to the show, and uh, if you were paying attention, no real serious changes were forthcoming. And the reality of the fact is, because at that point we realized that the changes that we wanted to make were so vastly changing that it, that. It couldn't we needed be the, a new podcast. Yeah, it couldn't be the same show anymore because, honestly, for us to switch from what we're doing now to what we're doing then, it would have been too jarring. And we believe that the people who have spent the time to really sit down and continue listening to Duke check out the song over this entire year, I hope you guys will follow us, and I think you honestly will. Uh, we're going to do a, an announcement, obviously, every episode until the end here, which is going to be two more but uh, what I'm planning on doing is also releasing the Discord right at the end as well, so you guys can get on the Discord with us and you know maybe chat to us directly. And uh, we're not going to miss a beat. It's going to be very shortly after our last episode of Decots, where the first first episode of uh, the Tome of Fucking Knowledge will come right out. Yeah, and the reason why we picked 52 is because you know make it a year with this, right? Yeah, one solid year. And to celebrate the end, we also have a little bit of a fun for the last episode. We're going to do a do check out this song award show where we're going to do uh, we're going to review the content that we've covered over the over the last year and have a little fun with it. So the 52nd episode will not be over any specific subject, but we'll rather be a celebration yeah, of our a, adventures. A recollection so far. of yeah. what we've done. Yeah. yeah. And we've honestly, you know, grown a lot just doing this you know learning how to speak on the mics like our first season oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's uh we are we are doing much better to at least in our perception than uh we were then and we believe that this next podcast is just going to be an even bigger skill jump for us oh yeah it's gonna it's gonna teach us more than just what's out there with music and you know actually oh and i i get to research stuff now too like it's i'm sure i could have researched stuff for music history but honestly it was it was much more fit with what ian was doing yeah we but, found a good rhythm with this yeah but now that i'll be able to crack into it too we'll be able to have an even wider uh set of things to talk about and we'll be able to you know each episode bring you guys more information without you know as much clutter because i feel like while we have a really good rhythm here we still have places to go and i I feel like the next podcast is just going to show you guys that. And so on that note, instead of talking about giving us stars and stuff, we'll just simply say, have a good night. And we love you.